Howdy, Rob Lee here, and there is nothing I like more than talking about arts and culture. That's what I discuss all the time on The Truth in His Art. So today I have a special message from the fine folks at the Station North Arts District. This Juneteenth weekend in the Station North Arts District, check out Belting Pod, a free R&B music celebration with two great shows on Saturday, June 18th. At 3 p.m. outdoors at the Why Not Lot featuring Bobby Rush, Briley Harris, Akilah Devine, and more. Then later at 7 p.m. at North Ave Market featuring Chelsea Monet with DJ Graffiti Tech. That's Saturday, June 18th, 3 p.m. at the Why Not Lot and 7 p.m. at North Ave Market. Also, happening now, the third annual True Vine Fest, a music festival supporting the True Vine Record Shop, is live in person with 37 acts at four music venues across Station North. That runs June 13th through the 18th at 8 p.m. to midnight. So check it out. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of speaking with an award-winning actress, director, choreographer, and artistic director of Dance and Be More, a multidisciplinary Baltimore-based ensemble presenting a unique fusion of movement, music, theatrics, and spoken word in their socially conscious and interactive works. Please welcome CJ Phillip. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. See, I did the copy and paste intro, so, <laughs> and I really went through it. Uh, I, I tried to, I tried to really give it the oomph. So, I, I, I thank you for being here, and I appreciate you making the time. And I like to do the the intro, but also I like to invite the guests to really introduce themselves. You may have a completely different title than what's out there. You may use different terminology. So I want to have you introduce yourself and tell me how you got started in this this fusion of movement, music, theatrics, and spoken word. Yeah. So, hmm. It really depends on who I'm speaking to and how I introduce myself. Sure. Um, because I feel like I try to tune into what values we might have in common. Sure. Um, so I think in speaking to you, Rob, I would say that I'm a creative connector. Okay. <laughs> that I I love connecting with other artists, connecting with um, sort of the everyday citizen who perhaps doesn't view themselves as an artist, um, but probably is, to be able to meet and experience um, creativity within community, to mm-hmm. share memories, to share music, to share dancing and sort of um, a more improvisational jazz kind of way uh, that you then don't lose. You, you've got that memory forever. You know, you know those times when you're going to the grocery store and you jam comes on and you're singing a little bit and then you see that person down the lane and they singing a little bit and both of y'all are singing and it comes a duet and you cross paths and see each other and you're doing the thing and then you move on with your shopping and a word does not need to be spoken but a connection was made absolutely <laughs> so that's sort of me in my everyday life that's my job making I'm- those creative connections with perfect strangers I love it. I love it. Um, I, and I, and I think one of the things that's really important to be able to make those distinctions that depending on, um, who you're talking to, which rooms you're in and, and things of that nature. Um, one of the terms I've been using a lot recently is, and I, and I, st- I have kind of issues with it because I know what I do and what I do is more than just a podcast. 
and I'm more than a podcaster, but podcasting has been very much associated with my identity for about 13 years. So it's hard to really break those connections. But recently I've really realized I do a lot more like kind of curatorial stuff than purely just getting on the mic and having an interview. It's like the, the, the people that I reach out to and bring on to this podcast and want to have conversations with, I'm interested in their work. I have an intellectual curiosity. So, and it, it's based in taste too. It's like, oh, you're not just having someone on for clout. You're not having someone on because, hey, they're the face of Baltimore. So, you know, you got to talk to them. It's like, eh. So, I think my taste kind of dictates what it is. And there's a, a cur- curator's kind of view on it, I think. And, even some of the stuff I described earlier um, before we got on mic about doing the movies. It's like, I'm at least picking those. It's like, eh, people might like these. And this is what goes into it. It's, it's baked in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to really, you know, how do you view yourself and how is it presented outside? That's that's a really important distinction sometimes to make. So I want to talk about um, uh, dance and be more. So how, so this, could you describe that for for the listeners and how it came about? Yeah. So I'm originally from New York, upstate New York, and I lived uh, in New York City for 18 years. Thankfully, uh, for about 15 of those years, I worked on Broadway, um, doing Broadway national tours, off-Broadway, started directing, working as a stage manager, being on the other side of the table, and really looking at sort of what was the next course or direction for my career. Um, When you work in New York, you often get hired to go to other cities. And so I would do a show down here in Baltimore, uh, direct the main stage at the AFRAM on the Sunday gospel day and meet all these really incredible artists and be like, wow, this is a nice little cut, creative (laughs) spot. Um, I did some shows down in Atlanta. Uh, My husband's also a music producer. So we were starting to transition to be like, you know what? I think, I think we're good. I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish here in New York. And, um, I want to do more and want to create more content, um, in a smaller community in an environment that's just as potent as far as creativity and and, and talent, but just a lot less noise. (laughs) And again, just a different vibe. You know, I loved the collaborative vibe and feel that I got from Baltimore. And so um, I knew I wanted to move to Baltimore. Right before we moved here, I took a a national tour of Legally Blonde, (laughs) believe it or not. And um, so that was my first time doing, usually I tour for six months or so. I toured for a full year and I felt like that gave me an opportunity to see the country because when you live in New York City, New York is its own entity. The United States is a whole different thing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, hey, America, how you doing? And <laughs> so after seeing America, there were some things that I loved, but there were some things I had some concerns about. And one of them was how much and the rise of technology, there was becoming this disconnect and this generational disconnect, especially um, older adults were feeling left behind mm-hmm. by young people who were like, I'm doing this at this social media, this this, that, and the other. Also, family units were starting to get disconnected. You're no longer having a conversation. I'm going to text you from the other room. And rather than me asking grandma, uh, 
you know, what the civil rights movement was like, I'm going to ask Siri. So we were gaining information, but we were losing connection. Yes. And so I formed Dance and Be More to be um, just this opportunity for families to connect, to reconnect in ways that are very historic and ancient almost around, you know, the fire and the music and the drumming and the oral history, the storytelling. And so that's a lot of what we do. Our first program was called FASAFAM Family Jam, where parents, grandparents, and kids could come together, dance, sing, play, create memories on a Tuesday early evening, and then, you know, come back next week and do it again. And then we created little videos and a CD of music, jams, you know, R&B, <laughs> uh, pop, hip-hop, Caribbean. Yeah. And the parents were like, we love the music. <laughs> the kids are like, yeah, we coming back to FASAFAM. Like, they were like, they are my best little workout partner. They made sure we get here, we get moving. I got my little sweatband on. We get dressed for FASAFAM. And so I loved doing that and, and providing that for Baltimore families. And that, for us, was a program that originated here in Baltimore and that was informed and grew out of the feedback we got from Baltimore families. And it was a range. And, and the families were really diverse. I honestly didn't even notice it until somebody pointed it out to me. They came in and were like, so who's your, like, who's your peeps? Because I see, I see Asian people. I see white people. I see black people. I see same-sex couples. But they all here with their kids. Like, what what you doing? I was like, I, I don't know. And so as I asked, they were like, we just all feel welcome. Like, yeah. there is at no point do we not feel like we belong. And I walk around life like that just in general. And yeah. so apparently I tried to create a bubble that also feels like that, like you belong. And so that's how we first started um, our Dance and Be More programs. I started with company members who are part of an ensemble of performers, but I wanted to find a way to, um, you know, pay my dancers, write some grants and, and raise some funds. And so the Fast Fam Family Jam was a great program for that. We then expanded to our second program, which was our Elder Arts Program. And we are artists and residents at the Waxter Senior Center, working with elders, doing midday cabarets of songs, soft shoe, um, you know, comedy, improv, acting, living your best life at 70-something and older. Uh, we also later, in Station North, we partnered with Station North Arts District to win a National Endowment of the Arts grant to do programming for elders at the Javen Story Branch Apartments. Oh, wow. For a full year, every other week, musicians, dancers, singers coming in, jam sessions with the elders there who were scatting and tapping and doing their thing. We'd go on road trips together to center stage to see shows, talk about it afterwards. They performed with us at Artscape. So yeah, I mean, Dance and Be More has done a lot and now um, you know, we, we talk about our mission being helping people make creative connections um, at every age and stage of their life. So if you're a three-year-old and you just like the move and your mommy's heard about Fast Fam, then y'all can come and do that together. If you are a, a kid in an after school program at Enoch Pratt Library or at some of our other partner programs, then you can come and help us design a program just yeah. for you. Um, if you are an elder in community, then you can come to our free Zoom 
Elder Arts Jam or our free in-person Elder Arts Jam at the Waxter. And then our fifth and final program is our team program called Voices of Carmen. And so we started that four years ago as a, a musical adaptation of the opera Carmen set in a high school yeah. that allows us to examine how conflicts escalate and how... Um, how we deal with our emotional health, how we uh, resolve conflict, how do we de-escalate using restorative practices, and then also looking, taking a good hard look at intimate partner abuse among teens because it's happening so much younger for uh, young folks who are in relationships. And so those are all of our programs, again, from three to 93. Um, you got a way to plug in to dance and be more in some form or fashion. And then sort of mixed all inside of that is our dance and be more ensemble that creates performance pieces, some of it really derived out of the work that we do in our programs, in our classes, that then become pieces. And then some of it just inspired by the world that we see around us. Wow. Guys are, guys are doing a lot. <laughs> and it's uh, it's great programming um, and just just really an asset and service to to the community and not restrictive. I, I like hearing it. I like the line where you were, that stuck out to me really. It was like from three to 93. It's like literally there, you know, we're out here, you know, and I love to, I love to hear that. Um, and, and actually just being nestled in like, like station North and being able to work hand in hand with station North and some of these, these opportunities. Um, that's, that's great as well, because I think often people don't see it. They say, Oh, station North is just a place where people are at. And you know, everyone's creating there. It's like, no, there's actually work happening here. Good things that are happening. And it's not for a few chosen people It's for everyone. Everyone is brought in. And that's in my opinion, and in my experience, that's what that area really is. It's, you know, it's also a place where people live. Yeah. I mean, that Javen Story Branch is a 27-story building, <laughs> and it's full. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for years, uh, people have the desire to, um, you know, see the folks in that building connected to the arts, but it really takes just being there, hanging out, spending time, asking questions, uh, creating programming that is influenced by what people desire and want. And so we took a lot of time to do that. And we're actually excited because as things are opening up, we're going back into the JVAM branch with jam sessions starting next month. Yeah. And just can't wait to bring the musicians in, the dancers in, the elders are excited. And it feels like a, a family reunion um, coming back together again. And, and again, a lot of these uh, elders have lived here in Station North, not just visiting, lived here for 15, 20 20 years, yeah. um, just, you know, just a block up. It's, it's important. And I, I just, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Um, so I, I, this was the one I just modified a touch, um, this question, but, and, and I want to get your take on it. And, um, yeah, so I think movement and performance is generally connected to emotion in some way. I think emotion kind of helps drive some of that. I don't know if you agree, but I want to throw that out there with this caveat to this, this actual question baked into it. What feelings or emotions do you try to like express or try to help people express within the performance aspect and, and, and dance and spoken word, any of the, the stuff that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think first and foremost for us, it's joy. Mm. Um, you know, there was a time where we were trying to discover, you know, what is our 
signature style? What is, you know, our way? Um, we do a lot of audience participation. If you come to our performances, you will not be sitting there watching like it's TV. <laughs> you know, somebody will scat and be like, ba 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 do ba ba And you'll be like, ba 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 do ba ba do ba ba You can't avoid <laughs> it. <laughs> you can't avoid it. It's like, oh. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of audience engagement and, and participation. And I think in that come the laughs, come the, oh my gosh, am I really singing? I didn't expect to be singing tonight. Am I moving? Am I connecting with this human being? The smiles and the joy that people feel. And so many people um, have shared that with us. You know, um, this is just a joy um, being with you, um, spending this time, being able to be a part of this class or this program. And so when I think about movement, I think it's innate. I think, you know, the right song comes on, the right beat thumping. You could be riding down the street and the little person on the sidewalk start moving their little neck. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, gotcha. And then, <laughs> you know, you feel it, you feel it. But as soon as you lock eyes, as soon as you smile or give somebody that light that's within you, you're stirring and, and cultivating a joy that can be shared. And so I think that's, that's really our go-to. And then there's other emotions. There's laughter, there's grief, there's, um, there's nostalgia, you know, there's all kinds of things. Um, so that there is this sort of dynamic and expansion of uh, a variety of emotions that you live through. But I think central to the work that we do, um, we're looking to tap into some joy. Joy is important, um, especially with kind of like, I guess the, the main thing that this, this podcast came out of is a direct response to just people who are naysayers and saying Baltimore's this, Baltimore's that. And I was like, now we have a much more than that. And, you know, often we don't hear enough about joy. So hearing that that's at the, that the focal is the focal point. I, I love that. I love that. And we need more of that. So yeah, it's great. Um, so I've read that you've directed and choreographed hundreds of musicals and performance and performance events around the world. Could you describe um, your choreography process um, at, at, a, at a high level? Because I know nothing. I, I, I'm just sitting. I'm, I, my choreography is just like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to move my body this way. Um, <laughs> and could you share maybe a memorable experience? Because, you know, it's, it's a lot. I can't describe I can describe maybe one or two memorable podcasts but can can you describe one memorable like experience that comes to mind in terms of uh that uh, in your career yeah so I think probably the most memorable for me is when I became a choreographer yeah. uh and the first like real performance piece that I choreographed with real dancers and not just, you know, not just me doing my little soft shoe in the church basement picnic parade, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, dancers who dance for a living, yeah. you know, submitting themselves to my instruction. <laughs> I remember, um, it was, Ooh, child, this was, Ooh, this was in the nineties. <laughs> dating myself <laughs> so anyways um but uh, there was a group uh that was doing um uh, an AIDS benefit and um they had planned it um several weeks uh, months in advance and so they were getting different artists to contribute work and when it was was this summertime and there were a lot of dancers who had had worked with this group before and had volunteered and done some work but they were like 
they had gigs in the summer and so everybody was going to be out of town choreographers so they came to me and said cj and i had danced at the benefit like a year or two before cj can you choreograph something and i was like oh no 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 <laughs> i was like so just to be clear <laughs> like, oh, someone me? being a good dancer does not make someone a choreographer <laughs> So, Distinctions of made. <laughs> yes, let's be clear. And so they, you know, explain their whole story. I still remember the young lady she had red hair. She's talking me through it, and I was like, I'm, so I'm very comfortable with no, by the way. That's just a, that's my superpower. I was like, no. And so I said to her, here's the deal. I'm not a choreographer. Tell me who you've asked. And they asked all the people. I was like, they're all great. Yeah, you did well. And I don't mind that I'm fifth on the list. Yeah. I really am not offended because, again, I'm not a choreographer. And so, um, won't you keep asking? <laughs> and then if you can't find anyone else, right. come back to me. So she was like, all right, deal. She went away. Three weeks later, here she come. So... so <laughs> I kept asking and I'm back. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, all right. And, you know, it's one of those things where I wish I could have said, oh, wow, you know, well, you know, now it's a little too close to the date. And so oh, I can't get anything <laughs> together. She asked like something like five months out. Like it was crazy. Like I still had plenty of time. So yeah. by the time she came back to me, it was still four months out. <laughs> so I can still do it. So I said, Yes, I will choreograph a number for you. And I had a song that I had been listening to and thinking about singing um, for a while. And I thought, oh, gosh, this actually the lyrics to this song is like, who will heal the world? Uh, who will, you know, help your fellow man? It's about service. It's about, um, you know, empathy and and decentering yourself in how things work and i was like i really think this is appropriate for this benefit sure so i was like maybe i'll choreograph to it so i remember i lived on 44th street and i'm playing the song and i'm getting ready to choreograph and i asked some dancers if they would be a part of it i didn't even know how many dancers i needed i was like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> And so I just asked friends of mine. Meanwhile, I, my friends are like in Alvin Ailey. They're in Philadelphia and, or, I mean, sorry, in uh, Ballet Hispanico, like in major yeah. companies. They're like, sure, CJ, we'll help you. This is a benefit. We want to yeah. be part, right? So now I have a group of really incredible dancers and myself as a novice choreographer. <laughs> and I remember being in my living room on 44th Street and praying. <laughs> I felt nauseous. Like I can still feel the icky that was in my stomach and in my spirit of just like, I don't what I'm doing <laughs> and I was like and so I was praying and I was like should I do right foot or left foot <laughs> like, like to the minutia of like yeah. what foot do I start on is where I was as a choreographer so it was excruciating to create the choreography and then going into rehearsals 
it was humbling <laughs> how supportive the dancers were of me. They were like, yeah, CJ, we got your back. You know, do your thing. What you want us to do? <laughs> and then I would show something like, oh, that feels good, CJ. And so I sort of muddled through choreographing yeah. this dance piece. And it came together and the piece was called who will heal the world the title of the actually the piece is called send me and the song was who will heal the world by jenny burton beautiful piece inspiring piece so we get to the actual benefit concert and i'm thinking okay this worked out this they look amazing i did the best i could that's all i can you know that's all anybody can ask right and so they put my piece as the end of act one of the benefit. Yeah. So the concert's going on, packed house, people are cheering, people are doing such and such. My piece comes up, it's the end of act one right before intermission. They do my piece. I'm like, that was pretty good. Yay, good job, everybody. <laughs> Whew, that's over, right? Is what I'm thinking in my mind, thank God. Yeah. And I'm just glad I didn't throw up because I felt like I was going to throw up the yeah. whole time. And so then someone starts coming backstage like, like with security. <laughs> and they're like looking <laughs> for something. And they're like, is who's the choreographer for the that last piece that was done and so everybody's pointing down at me and i'm like oh, you no, like snitches what did I, was it awful was it so bad right and um it was the national director of a uh organization called hope worldwide and he was in charge of planning a world volunteer summit in Philadelphia, where Colin Powell was speaking, and he oh, wow. said, I would like your dance piece to go before Colin Powell's speech on the steps of the Philadelphia Art Museum. Can you come down with your dancers and we'll pay for it and present this piece before Colin does his speech for the National Volunteer Summit? Wow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and from then on, I was a choreographer. Like, literally, I wasn't a choreographer. And then it was like, okay, now you're a choreographer. And I remember I worked with the producer, uh, Sherwin McIntosh, who became my mentor, best friend, wound up marrying me, my husband, actually. Um, and he and his wife just really helped to train and mentor me to help me to know how to work with people, how to encourage. And Because I wound up choreographing that dance piece. And then they were like, can you actually be the choreographer for the event overall? So now I'm casting, mm. uh, auditioning 70 dancers out of Philadelphia, going down every weekend, uh, working with the rest of the production team. I hadn't done any of this before. And from then on, I was a working choreographer and, and really one of Sherwin's like go-to choreographers for events. And he and I traveled the world doing, you know, from the Staples Center to Madison Square Garden to all kinds of places. And, <laughs> and that's where really where my choreography career began. Wow. With prayer and nauseous thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, that's a great story. Um, thank you for, for, for walking us through that. Um, so yeah. Uh, and actually one of my later questions was answered in that. So that's, that's great. Um, so it takes me down to 
my last real question before I get rid of all of the goodwill that we've established here and get to those rapid fire questions. <laughs> so the last question is, um, it, it, so is it a mindset, a special meal, positive affirmations? What helps you with your creativity? What helps you get into that mindset that you're like, all right, this, this works. This is kind of what I see. This is the vibe that I want to kind of have out there. This is what I'm looking to do. What, what helps you with that? Definitely quiet space, um, quieting my mind. Um, I spend the first part of my day every day, probably for the past 20 years in silence. I wake up, I get my water, I have my coffee, I may have a journal next to me, and I just sit quietly. I have no agenda. If I feel like writing, I write. If I feel like thinking, I call it butterfly mind. Wherever my mind just kind of wants to go, I just let it go. I don't judge it. I just sort of, and oftentimes some of the things that I was wrestling with the day before creatively, um, get clear. They, they, they're sort of tied up in knots at, at some point. And you're like, you're not sure how to unravel it. And then I sit in that silence and the knot just loosens and unties itself and becomes the straight line from one point to the next. And I get real clarity on the direction I need to go next sure. or at least my next step. And so for me, the quiet and the silence is amazing. It's just beautiful to me. It's what I look for. Um, some people, you know, they put headphones on and music and can, you know, write and do all kinds of, I'm not that person. Um, it's actually why I even live where I live. There's nothing but birds. <laughs> I got a quiet little backyard. <laughs> I was like, I need that, um, that downtime, um, to, for my creative mind to, to really percolate. And, and when it does, it's like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it's so funny to me to even think about where I started as a choreographer and where I am now as a director choreographer, my mind moves so fast. Um, so so, and I didn't realize it until I, I love collaborating with other choreographers. So sometimes when I'm hired to do a big event, I'm like, I'm not doing all this. Let me hire three other choreographers and I'll be the you know creative director and we'll delegate, you know, who's doing what piece. And sometimes I'll watch people's process and I go, oh, wow, I guess that takes other people longer. Um, but I'll listen to a song or have a theme or just a word and, and a, you know, a sketch pad um, and can listen to it once really and just to sketch out a whole draft and storyline to me especially if I'm, I'm starting with music there are several different stories to be told or ways to approach it and I just gotta pick one it's like you know in Willy Wonka where the candy bar is floating up over top I just gotta pick one right yeah. and so that's what I'm envisioning when I hear music or when I hear a, a, a general outline or I'm just there and I'm like oh it could go this way that way this way that way and it's like chess moves. Which one will I choose that's going to get me to the end of this game? And but for me now as a choreographer, that's a very fast process. I can I can literally choreograph a whole piece in 20 minutes. Wow. Well, I, I definitely connect with this this notion around um, I, I, I call it it's probably wrong, but I call it like creating those neural pathways and it just makes it easier. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I look at me doing, let's say in, an, in a week, I might do 10 interviews. And um, when I first started this podcast, it was hard for me to get 10 people to agree to do the podcast with no particular end date in mind. It's like, will you ever want to do this? 
Yeah. <laughs> so being able to go through it and being able to ask questions and kind of have an aim of what I'm what I'm choosing to get, it's like a lot easier than it was. And it's mm-hmm. out of repetition. It's out of that muscle memory. And it's out of just really trusting and knowing what your process might look like. And yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. So I definitely relate. Like when people say, I have writer's block. I don't know how to do this. It's like, well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. I got to just wrote five episodes right here. <laughs> yeah, that neuroplasticity is bomb. <laughs> Lumosity, shout out. Uh, so I got I got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, and you know how rapid fire works. I don't know you need to ask. So uh, these are going to be really quick. Um, just what pops in your head? Um, but- butterflies, right? Um, so what is your favorite activity to do? Or what was your favorite activity to do um, in your downtime when you like kind of toured the world? I would go to museums um, because there was nobody there during the day. Maybe there was like a school tour, but it was super quiet and it was a way to get to know the city and the culture. Um, And so, you know, going to some of the art places that were quieter in different cities was kind of cool. That's that's a great answer. Um, I I have like another real question I've used in the past that I would ask people. And that's kind of the response I'm usually looking for of like, when you go to a new city, what's the first place you go to to get the culture? And I do the same thing. I'm either going to a coffee shop because it's in certain neighborhoods, like a chain coffee, not a chain coffee shop, but like the local joint, or I'm going to a museum. It's like, where's the culture? Where are people doing cool things? Because I want to get dipped into the real things that are happening in the city. Um, what was your nickname when you were younger? Did you have a nickname when you were younger? Um, CJ, which is my nickname now, because C <laughs> is actually standing for my first name. Um, but my sister, my, my mom remarried. So my first name is Carolyn and my mom remarried and my stepsister's name is Carolyn. So we had two Carolyn's in the family. So I became CJ. I can dig it. But it's actually CJAY. Yes. <laughs> my, um, I'm a junior. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, when someone's like, so Robert, I was like, huh? And then my dad goes, huh? And I was like, uh, I was like, Dude, don't you dare call me Junior. And everyone's just like, Junior was thrown out there. And all of uh, all of my uncles and my dad, we all get nicknames weird. It's like my dad's nickname was Rob. I was like, that's cheap. That's whack. <laughs> but all of my uncles have cool nicknames. I'm like, why'd you get a version of your name? <laughs> I was like, don't give me junior. I was like, you got to call me something. It's like, you know, just call me Gordo or something. I, I don't know. I need something better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's Buck right there. It's like, um, you know, this this feels really businessy right here. But in three words or less, um, what makes dancing be more successful? What would you say those paramount things are to make it successful with paramount words? Hmm. I think our relationships that we build specifically with our partners, mm-hmm. we collaborate a, a lot. I think more, uh, and, and someone else pointed this out. They were like, for nonprofit programs, you do a heavy percent of fees for service, but it's because our, we cover such a large range of people. Um, and then our programs align and are really malleable with so many other program partners sure. that they're like, why are we going to do this from scratch? Just call Dance and Mimo. <laughs> and, so, and we're very responsive. Like we respond pretty quickly. And um, that has been an asset. That's definitely a business asset. Um, they were like, we could ask three or four other people. By the time they got back to us, we'll at least know if Dance and Be More is doing it or not doing it. Again, because we will say no, yeah. but we will 
we'll respond to you pretty quickly and let you know one word or the other. But it's good to know that, you know, dance and be more is not the fifth option. You don't have to say go to these other places. <laughs> so this is this is the last one I got for you. Um, so, you know, you, you've traveled, you've you've been everywhere. What is the best country you visited? Your favorite like place that you visited? Switzerland. Zurich specifically. Okay. Yeah, I um, I spent nine months back and forth to Zurich when I first wrote um, my adaptation of Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a youth orchestra, a youth cast, um, 60 young people in Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, we auditioned 100. And uh, my brother, who lives in Germany, he was my co-choreographer uh, for that, and I was the director and the writer on that project. And I would go and fly in from New York to Switzerland and I'd just be like rubbing my eyes. I'm like, I feel like I'm inside a postcard. I was like, I can't believe this is real. And you know, I'd be coming up the lane to my house and there'd be a little cow there with the long eyelashes. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And the, the water is so clean, the quality of life, everybody walks and exercises. You'll see people by the water. My, my brother and I I used to have, um, as the first time I had cafe macchiatos mm-hmm. and we would sit by the river and then you just see some dude like come with his suit in a bag. He'd like strip down, put his suit in a plastic bag, tether the bag to his waist and jump in the river and swim home <laughs> wow. from work. Wow. Like wow. that's his commute. The water's so clean. I can leave work, take my suit off, put it in a plastic bag, tie it around my waist, and wow. swim home. <laughs> I was wow. like, this is a whole nother yeah. level of nature outdoorsiness. And I was blown away. It was that is amazing. Quite beautiful there. That is amazing. So that's um pretty much all I had for today. But I want to one, thank you for being on this podcast, and um two, invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out. Social media, website, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So danceandbemore.com, danceandbemore.com. They can follow Dance and Be More on Instagram. Also, definitely follow Voices of Carmen. Um, We have a really strong cast and group of musicians here in Baltimore. It's really exciting to do that show here in the United States. Um, So at Voices of Carmen on Instagram, and we do have a Voices of Carmen Facebook page, mostly for parents. But um, (laughs) some of our kids are on Facebook, and they come and say hello. (laughs) Uh, But that's definitely the best place. So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank CJ Phillip for coming on to the podcast. And um, yeah, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is joy, community in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 